you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 7. And I'm going to read from a familiar passage of Scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'll read from verse 14, then I'll go and read from verses 12 to 15. And I want to talk to you about a phrase the Lord has been speaking to me all week long, simply saying, if my people, if my people, if my people. That's, I've heard that all week long in my spirit. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. All week long, the Lord has been speaking these words to me, if my people. When you study the scriptures, you find out that the word if followed by then are covenant words. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and then the latter part of the verse says this, then will I hear from heaven. Second Chronicles chapter 7 records the dedication of the temple that Solomon had built, and it records the Lord's second appearance to King Solomon. In Second Chronicles chapter 7 verses 12, through 22. In verses 12 through 15, let's look at it. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. We're in a worldwide storm. To say that we need revival is an understatement. We have quoted Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 many times. And many have preached from this passage throughout the years. I've heard it many, many times. And they've used this passage to call the nation to a place of repentance. Repentance begins with us. It begins with the people of God. How long have we prayed for revival? How long have we cried out for God's intervention? What is the answer for our wayward and rebellious family members, our children? What is the answer for the deception that is in our nation? I believe these three simple words hold a solution for us today. If my people... When storms and trials come upon our city, the remedy will not be found in the political arena. It will not be found in the halls of Congress or in the state legislators. When trials come upon our city, the remedy will not be found in the political world. And some today have become so corrupt that they're more interested in scoring points and pandering to people and attaining power than they are in shaping legislation to improve and help our nation. The remedy for a nation in crisis and experiencing judgment will be found in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. These answers will be born of prayer in the altars and prayer rooms of our church. The people of God must stand up and we must lead the way. But we don't lead carrying a sword. We don't lead carrying a gun. We lead on our knees, humbling ourselves before the throne room of heaven. Can somebody say amen? The people of God must stand up and lead. How many of you want to see your family saved? How many of you want to see revival come to our city, our region? God is issuing a call to his people. If my people... 
Revival has to begin in the house of God. If judgment begins in the house of God, revival will begin in the house of God. God's not going to pour out his spirit on the nightclub. God's not going to pour out his spirit on the cults. God's not going to pour out his spirit on J.C. Penney. He's not going to pour out his spirit on Walmart. 19 and 18 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? My question is, what is flowing out of this house today? What is flowing out of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me give you some things that should be flowing out of the house of God. Number one, righteousness should be flowing out of this assembly today. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age listen a godly life is a testimony to an ungodly world secondly holiness should be flowing out of this assembly today Psalms 93 5 says your testimonies are very sure holiness adorns your house O Lord forever Justice should be flowing out of this assembly today. Psalms 37, 20, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. We should wet these altars with hot tears and pray against the injustice in our nation, injustice in our city, injustice in our families. And we should pray for the God of heaven who rules in the courtroom of heaven to overrule man. Come on, somebody, and say amen. You may have an injustice you've suffered. You might have something that's been done to you that was unjust. But I'm telling you that you can go to the courts of heaven and plead your case you have an attorney he won't charge you $300 an hour his name is Jesus he's at the right hand of the father the Bible says he's my advocate with the father he's ever interceding he's praying I can go and plead my case to the judge of all judges and my attorney is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself let me tell you about him he's not crooked he don't bribe the judge he's never lost a case he's won more cases than Perry Mason Hope should be flowing out of this assembly today. I love Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation and deliverance should be flowing out of this assembly today. 1 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Power should be flowing out of this assembly today. Acts four thirty three, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Christ and great grace was upon them all. I could continue and preach on all day. I could talk about joy, peace, forgiveness, encouragement. I could talk about a lot of things that ought to flow out of the house of God. My question is, what are we releasing? What's flowing out of this house today? We have the greatest message of all messages. It is a life-changing, transformational message. It's not a political slogan. But it is filled with resurrection power. Let me give you just a little synopsis of this message. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's true freedom today through the power of the name of Jesus. John 8, 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Am I preaching this morning to anybody that's experienced that freedom that's available through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? So lift your hands and give God praise in this place. So where do these things begin? Where do these things start? How do we become the church God desires and destines us to be? I believe it's found in these three little words, if my people, if my people.
people. Let's look at this. I want to look at several things. Number one, if my people who are called by my name. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name. We are the people who are called by his name. We are the people of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 2. They'll put it on the screen for you. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. Hallelujah. Who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it said the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Listen, we're not evangelicals. We're not a voting block. We're not just another subculture within the greater culture of many cultures. We are the very people of God. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You are called to preserve. You are called to function and influence the world that is around you. If my people who are called by my name. Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. Matthew 5, I quoted it earlier. Let me read it to you. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If it is then good for nothing to but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. In Colossians 1, 2, the apostle Paul calls us saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Revival and awakening begins when God's people get a burden to pray. Leonard Ravenhill wrote these words to a friend, let others live on the raw edge or the cutting edge. You and I shall live on the edge of eternity. Are you living on the edge of eternity? I often wondered what's happened to eternity in the church today. I often wonder why we don't preach much anymore about heaven and hell. Why don't we really don't even sing about it much anymore. We produce the gospel uh, that is, has to deal with our eternal soul down almost to a self-help, more to a psychological thing to help me. And I believe you need help in this world, and I need the Word of God can be practical in our lives. I don't misunderstand me. But we can't lose sight of eternity. The Bible said this life is but a vapor. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. I want to tell you, life is fleeting, and we must prepare our eternal souls because one day you and I are going to meet Jesus. Come on, somebody, and say amen. And I believe we're living in the last day, and I know this isn't popular and I know we don't hardly ever preach it anymore even in some of our own churches but I still believe in the rapture I believe Jesus is coming back I believe the trumpet of God's going to sound the dead in Christ are going to rise and we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up and we're going to ever be with the Lord now I know there's popular teaching that goes around that we're just somehow going to conquer the earth and, and we're just going to get greater and greater and greater and the church is just going to rise up and conquer the earth but that's not what I read in the New Testament I read in the New Testament that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution I understand I'm a dinosaur. I was a man born out of time. I understand the type of preaching I have preached is different than what's preached out in the world today. But I want to tell you something. I'd rather preach you to the truth of God's word and stand before God and give an account one day and say, God, I was faithful with the book. I was faithful to what it said. I was faithful to the context of it. I was faithful to what it said than to have the accolades of man. I believe in eternity. How about you? While I'm speaking today, God is working in the lives, dealing with our eternal soul. When God first visits a city, he visits a church. The church is God's embassy on earth. When God visits a nation, he does not visit the halls of parliament or the Congress. He comes to his embassy to visit his people. We are the covenant people of God. And Hebrews 8, 6 says we have a better covenant built on better promises. 
You know that we have a sure word of prophecy. Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servant, the prophets. We learn in the New Testament that we're citizens of another kingdom. This world is not our home. We're pilgrims and sojourners. In Hebrews eleven ten, it said, Abraham waited for the city, which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Visitation, whether it is judgment or revival, will begin in the house of God. The future of your family, our city, our state begins in these altars. The future blessings of curse begins and ends in the altars of the church. The church of Jesus Christ is the army of God. And he's mobilizing this army to do spiritual battle for the souls of humanity. We must rise up in faith and claim those who are lost in Greenwood as our inheritance. Psalms 2.8 says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. The King James Version says, I'll give you the heathen as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. So we have a responsibility today to be stewards of the power and the anointing that the Holy Spirit has deposited into our church. We have a responsibility to this community to be witnesses and to bring revival to this area. If my people who are called by my name. But notice secondly, if my people who will humble themselves. They will humble themselves. What does it mean to humble ourselves? Well, the dictionary defines humble as having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. It means to be broken, modest, and humble. The opposite of humility is to be proud or arrogant. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Dr. Stanley Horton writes, he said, it should be impressed upon our hearts and minds how much God hates pride. Pride in our lives will cause God to turn from our prayers and withhold his presence and grace from us, to be exalted in our own minds and to seek honor and esteem of others in order to satisfy our pride is to shut out the help of God. For, but for those who humbly submit themselves to God and draw near to him, there is abundant grace, mercy, and help in every situation of life. Pride says, I can do it better than God. Pride will set you against the plans of God. And pride leads to the sin of rebellion. Pride always brings destruction. Lucifer and one-third of the angels fell because of pride. This is Pride Month in our nation where we celebrate as a nation perversion and wickedness. Pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Satan thought he could become God and he exalted his throne above the stars of God. When the people of God humble themselves, God is drawn to them. When pride is present, we learn that God resists the proud. Think about that. God resists the proud. In Proverbs eight thirteen, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction and a Holy Spirit before a fall. James 4, 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Here's the key with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates differently than the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of the world says get all you can, can all you get, and set on the can. But the kingdom of God says give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. The kingdom of the world says do power lunches, promote yourself, you know, get your slick uh, packaging. But God says, the way up is down. Humble yourself. He said, if you'll humble yourself, I'll exalt you. See, if I, don't, if I do it through pride, if I do it the world's way, then I'll exalt myself or I'll depend on somebody else to exalt me. 
My father in the Lord, Brother John Todd, always taught me, he said, if God opens a door, God's responsible for that door. But if you open the door, you're responsible for that door. So I want to be careful that I don't open doors that God's trying to close. Humble yourself. I love that. The way up is down. 1 Peter 5, 6, Therefore humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God lifts up those who come to him in humility. How do we humble ourselves? One way we humble ourselves is to pray and fast. Joel 1, 14, Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. What would happen in our nation if we consecrated a fast as a nation? What would happen in our nation if we called a sacred assembly and we stood up as the people of a nation and said we have sinned? We have, we've, we've, we've committed sin. We've sinned as a nation, and we acknowledge those sin as a nation. I'll tell you what would happen. God would bless this nation. He would turn this situation with our economy around. He would, he would turn this trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt into a surplus because we would be doing it God's way. Now, I know to win elections, you've got to project strength, and I, I understand all that. But I'm just telling you the way it works in the kingdom of God. God lifts up those who come to him in humility. Joel 2.12 says, Therefore says to the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and with mourning. God is near to those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's easy for me to point my finger at you and say, Well, look what they're doing. But you know when God comes to deal with me, he doesn't deal with me about you. He deals with me about me. I've gone to God and said, God, look at how them people's acting. And the Lord said, well, let me talk to you about your problems. I said, Lord, we're not going to go there. We're going to deal with this. But it's time for us to look in the mirror and say, Lord, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When we humble ourselves, we recognize our insufficiency and his all-sufficiency. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Listen, we're here today by His grace. It's His grace that sustains us. It's His grace that keeps us. We're saved by grace. We're sustained by grace. We're going to go home by grace in Jesus' name. So we must come to God and recognize that without Him, we can do nothing. So my prayer today is simply this. Give us a compassion today for those who are lost. Break our hearts for lost humanity. And may God forgive us for our lack of concern for a world that desperately needs Christ. But notice thirdly, he said, if my people will pray. We must make the altar of prayer a priority. We need to pray specifically for our children, our schools, our homes, our government leaders, our city and our churches. We need to pray and believe God for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray the promises of God. He's promised to pour out his spirit in the last days. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. May our prayers be filled with faith and compassion. Revival will only come when we look to God's ability.
Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says this in the latter part of that verse. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord to the church of South Greenwood, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We can't make revival happen. We can't conjure it up. We can't work it up. We, we can't make it happen. It comes by the sovereignty of God, but we have to look at the conditions that are in the world, the conditions that are in our own families, the conditions in our own homes, and we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to cry out. We've got to pray until heaven comes down and the glory of God fills our soul. And listen, heaven's not in a recession. Heaven's not on a vacation. Heaven is not quarantined. Heaven is not dealing with a coronavirus. Heaven is ready to come down in our midst today, this morning, in this service right now and touch us by His Spirit. But we must first meet the conditions and the conditions is we must pray and cry out to God with a new fervency and say, God, we must have revival. We must have breakthrough. We must have your intervention. We must experience your healing. We must have salvation. We have to cry on these altars until heaven breaks down into our midst and comes into our midst and touches us afresh and anew. Peter stood with the eleven on the day of Pentecost. Peter, who just a few days before was cursing, denying Christ, lying and cursing. Peter, who was fishing with no clothes on. Read the scriptures. He said he was naked. <laughs> he saw Jesus and he swam to the shore. And there on the shore of that Sea of Galilee, I've been to that place. Jesus restored him. And this is not Peter. This is not old, old brash, outspoken. But this is Peter full of the Holy Ghost. And he stands up and preaches with the 11 and 3,000 people get saved. Man, I'm going to start preaching that message. Hallelujah. See, listen, he was not educated in the seminary. He didn't hold ordination in the IPHC. What happened to this fisherman? I'll tell you what happened. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. What moved on the hearts of those 3,000 people? It wasn't his oratorical skill. It wasn't his ability. I'll tell you what happened. I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit drew those 3,000 people to the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't believe in the Messiah. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But something happened. Listen, this world all around us is lost and dying. There are 3,000 lost people, more than unlikely, within a stone throw of this church. And I believe if you and I will get filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will invade this region and this area, we can see 3,000 plus come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, oh, pastor, that's impossible. Well, my Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he poured out his spirit in Jerusalem at the upper room there near the temple, I believe he'll pour out his spirit in 2020 in Greenwood, South Carolina today. Can somebody give God praise? We need God's intervention and help in our city. Will you join me in asking God to give us an outpouring of his spirit? found this little thought here. It's an announcement. We're sorry to announce the passing of Mrs. Prayer Meeting. She died recently at the first neglected church on Ho-Hum Avenue. Born many years ago in the midst of a great revival, she was strong and healthy as a child. Fed largely on testimony and Bible study, she grew into worldwide prominence and one of the most influential members of the church family. However, in recent years, Sister Prayer Meeting has been failing in health. 
gradually wasting away until rendered helpless by the stiffness of the knees, cooling of the heart, lack of spiritual sensitivity, and concern for spiritual things. Her last whispered words were inquiring about the strange absence of her loved ones, now so busy in the marketplace and places of worldly amusement on Wednesday evenings. Experts, including Dr. Goodworks, Dr. Socializing, Dr. Unconcerned Degree disagree as to the fatal cause of her final illness. They all administered large doses of excuses, even ordered a last-minute motivational bypass, all to no avail. A post-mortem examination showed that a deficiency of regular spiritual food, a lack of prayer and Christian fellowship, all contributed to her ultimate demise. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then my last point is simply this, turn from their wicked ways. What does it mean to turn from our wicked ways? It means to turn away from sin. To repent is not just to feel sorry for my sins. To repent is not sorry that I got caught. To repent is to turn away from sin with the intention of never going back. God is holy and he calls us to be holy. When David sinned, he felt alone and away from God. He cried out, cast me not away from your presence, O God. When Israel refused to deal with their sin, they were conquered by their enemies and put into servitude. Many would get their lives in order if they would simply deal with the sin that's in their lives. Do you want your marriage healed? Come clean with God. Do you want to see your children saved? Come clean with God. So we have to ask God to give us a new hunger to know Jesus in a deeper way. Think about that. Think about if the church today would say, we want to have a new hunger to know Jesus in a deeper way. Well, what would happen? God would pour out his spirit on us. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's God's word. God's word never returns void, but it accomplishes what it's sent out to do. And if you and I will pray and cry out to God and say, God, in these fearful times, in these times of uncertainty, in these times of great division, in these times of great strife and violence in our nation, we're hungry for you. We're desperate for you. We don't believe the answers lie in the world. We believe the answers lie in this book. We believe the answers lie in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You said I could call on the name of the Lord and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved you said I could cry out to you and you would hear me and you would answer me you said if I sought you and cried out to you and seek you with my whole heart you would come to me in the midst of the storm you're an ever present help in the time of trouble you're the I am who I am you're not the great I was you're not the great I will be but you're right here present in this hour right now and you stand ready today to encourage me and bless me give me a renewed hope Give me a renewed joy. Give me a renewed strength and stir something in me that will say I'm going to cry out to God until the heavens that are brass are open and God himself comes down and walks among us. So we must ask him to change our lives. Is there sin in your life? Then why not come clean with God and experience a new beginning? Our repentance must be without restraint. God desires 100%. All of us. He's not willing to share us with the world, the flesh, or the devil. Our cry this morning must be the cry of the psalmist in Psalms 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. So what will be the result of this cry from our hearts? Well, the latter part of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this. Then 
If then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, notice, notice how God deals with sin. He don't call it a mistake. He don't call it a slip up. He said, turn from their wicked ways. Wow. Then, hallelujah, thank God for then. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is a covenant promise, but it's a conditional promise. If it's conditioned upon what we do, God will hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins. And notice that last part, I'll heal their land. Only God can heal this land, folks. Only God can heal this land. And we need healing as a nation. We need healing as a church. We need healing as people of God. And the key for us is to humble ourselves. How do we do that? We get on our face and we cry out to God and say, Oh God, oh God, we need you. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you. I need you in my family. I need you in my family today. How many of you will acknowledge that with me? I need you in my family today. I need you, Lord, in my finances today. I need you in my health today. I need you, Lord Jesus, in my community today. I need you, Lord, in my church today. I need you right here in this neighborhood today. We need you, Holy Spirit. We humble ourselves. We pray. We seek your face. If my people, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. I love this. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Here's what Jesus said. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and find rest for your weary souls. Oh, hallelujah. When you come to Jesus, there's a rest you enter into. It's not a rest of the flesh, but it's a rest of the spirit. And I rest in the promise that I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There's a rest. We've got to come and say, Lord, what in my life needs to come under submission to you? What in my life needs forgiveness? What in my life do I need to surrender to you? And I believe if we'll do that, I believe that's a new beginning for us to see what God has promised us as a people. We have to humble ourselves. But God today wants you and I to come clean, surrender our all, and give our hearts and our lives to him afresh and anew.